Hello, everybody. This is the Ether Podcast, and I'm Rodrigo. And this is Ryan. And today, we're continuing our series on how to study the Bible. And if you've seen one of our recent videos, we talked about biblical poetry. And in this podcast, we're delving a little bit deeper into the subject by talking about the book of Psalms. And uh, here's what we want to talk about, Ryan. The book of Psalms may be the best book to teach us how to be godly in all circumstances. And I'm not saying that it's the best book in the Bible. I'm not saying that there aren't other books that I enjoy more. I'm saying that in as far as the book itself, there may be no book that relates to the human experience more than the book of Psalms. Okay. And it's so, a big book. It's a great book. And when you sort of like really learn about it, you realize how amazing it is. And I, again, I by no means I'm trying to say that your Bible study should be limited to the book of Psalms. Uh, but I am trying to make these three points. And these three things are the things that I want to talk about, Ryan Novak. Right? Okay. Uh, one that the book of Psalms, and actually you did a class this Sunday at church about shalom, and you talked about mm -hmm. the rhythm of life, right? Uh, for one, there may be uh, no other book that sort of follows the general rhythm of a human's life better than the book of Psalms, and I'll go into what I mean in a second. Uh, the okay. other thing I want to talk about is how the book of Psalms really teaches us what to do with our emotions, right? Because, Ryan Novak, regardless of how uh, emotional you are ready to admit that you are, fact of the matter is, is that we spend a big time of our lives managing our emotions, Mm. And that's true whether you are consider yourself an emotional person or not, uh, whether you live with an emotional person or not, whether you believe in emotions or not. We spend a lot of time managing our emotions, and there may be no book in the Bible that is a better uh, guide as to what we should do with them and how we should express them than the book of Psalms. And the last thing that I want to talk about is how... Um, the book of Psalms really addresses uh, some of the most important pillars of our faith. Mm. And again, I'll, I'll go into what that means in a little bit. But I kind of want to, before we get into this whole discussion, I do want to uh, introduce the book of Psalms as a whole, because it's a super interesting book by the mere nature of it. Okay. All right. So the book of Psalms uh, is, is what is called a compilation of books. Many of what we know as chapters in the book of Psalms for many, many years existed as uh, poems and prayers and worship songs that sort of were scattered about and they were used in different parts for different occasions. And they were actually, interestingly enough, they were brought together after the exile. So after the Jews go to Babylon uh, and they come back to Jerusalem to rebuild the city and all that stuff, 
that's when there seems to have been a movement to sort of compile all of these books together into one book. Mm. And uh, not only is the fact that that was sort of the occasion that led people into bringing all these book, all these poems and songs and prayers together, because when you think of the significance of that, it's pretty, it's a pretty big deal. I mean, the uh, the uh, the exile was a pretty traumatic experience for the for the people of Israel. They lost their land. They lost what they thought was an indestructible city. The temple was burned down. The walls of the city were crumbling, and it was a time in which, uh, for many of them, it was a time of despair, and it was a time of hopelessness. And it's interesting that after that time, after the nation is restored, that's when they decide to bring all of this material together. Mm-hmm. And what's even more interesting is sort of the arrangement that they decided to put the book together in. All right? And uh, without giving up too much, because this is the, really what I want to talk about in the end, uh, I'll just give you a little bit of a sample, Ryan Novak, <laughs> because you know how we talk about a lot in our podcast, how uh, we should really read, in many occasions, we should really read the Bible from like a 3,000 feet view instead of like getting into the minutiae of the verses at the chapters and all that stuff, Right. And the thing is, because of the nature of the book of Psalms, we don't really think of it as like, hey, the book of Psalms has a point. Like, what is the point of the overall book of Psalms, right? Yeah. And the interesting thing is that the book of Psalms, uh, the way it begins and the way it ends tells you very much what the book is about. All right? Okay. So the first chapter of the book of Psalms, Psalms 1 talks about sort of the virtue of following the law. And basically, it makes a point of how uh, following the law brings you blessings and how not following basically curses you, right? Mm. Chapter 2 of the book of Psalms is a, it's a messianic psalm. Like, it talks about the coming of the Messiah and how he's going to be a special king and all of this other stuff, Right? And then the last uh, four chapters, five chapters of the book of Psalms are all uh, about worship. They're hallelujah psalms. Literally, people are praising God, right? And they're praising God for a myriad of reasons, but part of what they're praising God for is for establishing his kingdom. And what's super interesting about the book of Psalms, right, is that at, uh, at various parts, so the book of Psalms is divided into five books, right? And I'll give you the, the, the parts now. So uh, chapter one and two are sort of considered the introduction to the book of Psalms. And then it's divided into five books, chapters three through 41, 42 through 72, 73 through 89, 90 through 106, and 107 through 145. And then the conclusion of the book of Psalms is chapters 146 through 150, which are known as sort of the hallelujah Psalms, right? And in all of those sections, in one way or another, the book of Psalms addresses the following of the Torah, the Messiah, the worship of God, and the kingdom of God. And so the sort of this movement all throughout the book of Psalms that in one way or another, all through the sections and everything, 
brings us back to these four things, right? So are you saying that each book has its own theme? So book one has a different theme or than book two? Or are you saying that book one has a cadence, a rhythm throughout it, and book two has that same cadence and that same rhythm throughout it? So I'll give you an example, right? Let's take, uh, for example, book one, just for the sake of argument here, all right? Uh, in chapter 15, of, so, well, let me, let, me, let me back up and say this, right? Because I think this is going to make more sense when I say it. So uh, there's these divisions of the book of Psalms, like these five books, and within, within each one of those divisions there are different kinds of psalms. So there are psalms that are called lament psalms, which people are lamenting whatever situation that they're in. Uh, there are psalms of thanksgiving. Uh, there are psalms that address uh, the kings and how they're crowned and how great kings are. There are many uh, psalms that address um, uh, King David as a whole. Uh, there are psalms... Um, what did I say? I said Thanksgiving. I said uh, laments. I'm looking at my notes here. There's wisdom psalms, uh, songs of trust, which are about literally trusting God. Uh, and there are several psalms of what are called celebration or affirmation. Right? And so there are all these different types of psalms. And within each book, within each one of these five sections, there are... Contain different ones of these psalms. So, for example, Psalm three at the very beginning of the first book is a psalm of lament. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, when you move down to uh, Psalm fifteen, that's a psalm that is sort of calling people back to the covenant, if you will. And that's more yeah. a psalm of thanksgiving, a psalm uh, where they're requesting God to basically renew the covenant with him, right? And so, but for example, but each one of these books, even though it contains all these different psalms, has significant psalms that uh, sort of visit the four themes that I talked to you about, whether yeah. it is uh, following the Word of God, whether it is the Messiah, whether it is like God in general and His faithfulness and the kingdom of God. So, for example, in book one, like I said, chapter 15 is a call back to the, the faithfulness to the covenant, right? Um, Psalm 19 talks about following the Torah and really sticking to it. Um, and then uh, in Psalms, Psalms 20 to 23, talk about the Messiah's future deliverance, Right? And basically, Prophetic. again, what I'm saying here yeah. is that all of these sections have a bunch of different psalms, but at some point or another, they all visit some or all of these themes. Okay. And so when you look at it that way, right, when you sort of look at, hey, what is the book of Psalms about? You can say that the book of Psalms is about those four things. Okay. Which makes it a really significant book, right? And I want to get into that a little later here because I want to make the first two points first about gotcha. sort of the rhythm of life. Because I think 
those two things really make the last point even more relevant, right? Because see, here's the thing, and, and again, the significance of the book of Psalms having been put together after it was put together is that the nation of Israel lived through some really traumatic and painful things, right? And even when you look at Psalms of David, and um, just as an example here, uh, I just wanted to read Psalm 3. So here's the thing, right? Uh, the first point I want to make, like I said, is sort of how the book of Psalm really visits the rhythm of all of our lives, right? Because there's not much guarantee that I can give anybody about their lives, except that you're going to have some good times and you're going to have some bad times, right? Like I can guarantee you that your life at some point or another is going to stink a little bit. Right. Right. And the book of Psalms reflects that experience. So, for example, Psalm three uh, is a psalm of David, and it, it literally the first first verse of the psalm it says a psalm of David when he fled from his son Absalom. So, if you know the story of David, at some point his son, his very own son, rebels against him, and he basically has to flee. Right. And right. I don't want to read it just right now because I want to really want to use this for uh, my example about how do how the book of Psalms teaches about our emotions, right? But the occasion of the psalm is a pretty horrible time, not only in the life of a king, but in the life of a father. I mean, you're <laughs> that your son literally wants to overthrow you and kill you is pretty <laughs> bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. And at the same time, though, uh, uh, there are other psalms that are very much about thanksgiving. And what you see in those occasions is our th good things are happening. And so there are times of great despair. There are times of victory. There are times of thanksgiving. There are times where literally people are just looking around, observing what's around them and being in awe as to what's happening, right? Yeah. And if you've been a person of faith, you've been through all of those things. Yeah. Right? Like that, that, that there are times that we're like ecstatic about the fact that we're following God and we're <laughs> ecstatic about the fact that we're doing the right thing. And there are times that we're wondering, like, what is God doing? There are times that mm -hmm. we have, like, no other option but to just thank God for how great he is. Like, we can all relate to all of those things, right? That's just the rhythm of life. Sometimes things are good. Sometimes things are bad. Sometimes things, things are horrible. And again, the book of Psalms, uh, if you belong to, to a, a church, for example, right? You as an individual go through hard times, but sometimes your church goes through hard times as well. And what's mm -hmm. interesting about the book of Psalms is that for, for every one of these topics, right, like Thanksgiving, praise, uh, laments, all of these things, there are individual laments and there are communal laments. Yeah. So sometimes the authors of all these different Psalms are talking about themselves and sometimes they're talking about, like, all of us together, 
Yeah. Right. And if we belong to any kind of community of faith, we've had that experience. There's times that maybe individually we're doing great, but as a community of faith, we're going through a really hard time. Yeah. I think one of the benefits of, of Psalms being so long is that it covers so many of these different emotions that there are Psalms that are joyful and Psalms that are depressed and discouraged Psalms that are angry and Psalms that are uh, songs of uh, elation and rejuvenation. And it just covers the gamut, which I think is one of the reasons why we love them so much is because there's something for every moment. Exactly. And so whether something's great going on in your life or something's going terrible, there's a psalm that fits that moment. Right. And so and so here's the second point that I want to make, right? It's not just that the book of Psalms in so many ways is relatable, is that it's also it's also a great tool to teach us how to express these very intense emotions, right? Be it when things are bad or be it when things are good or when we're just in awe about the greatness of God, right? The book of Psalms teaches us how to express all of those things. And as an example, again, I alluded to Psalm 3. Uh, I just want to read it. It's just a few verses long. Uh, but again, I think it's a great... Uh, think of all the things that David is going through, right? And as you listen to this, just hear how he expresses them. And I think some of the way in which he expresses things uh, could potentially make us a little uncomfortable, and I'll share why here in a second. So uh, Psalm 3, starting in verse uh, verse 0, a psalm of David when he fled from his son Absalom. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him, but you... Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. Mm. I call out to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God, strike all my enemies on the jaw, break the teeth of the wicked. From the mm-hmm. Lord comes deliverance. May your blessings be on your people. And again, here's David is in, the, in a great moment of stress, in a great moment of despair. His son is literally chasing him for his life. But the thing that really strikes me about this, Ryan, is how he almost seems to demand God's deliverance. Like here he's expressing a moment of of great uh, pain and distress, right? And he's saying like, hey, God is my shield. But towards the end of the psalm, he says, arise, O Lord, deliver me, God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw, break the teeth of the wicked. I don't know that we're that bold when Mm -hmm. we are in moments of distress where we're just demanding God to do something for us. And, yeah. and David do, does this multiple times. Like where, uh, so I've been going through the book of Psalms myself. Um, I think this yesterday I read Psalm 7, and it's another situation in which 
David is being chased by somebody. I forget his name. And it's the same thing. He is literally demanding that God do something about his situation. And he does it in a very bald way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let me give you another example. This is in uh, Psalm 44, and this is a communal example. Um, I won't read the whole thing because this is actually a pretty long one. But um, just to give you a little bit of context here, we're going to start here in, uh, in verse 17. And uh, prior to verse seventeen, from verses one through from from verses one through sixteen, uh, the authors of the psalm are talking about how they're being persecuted and they're being chased, and because uh, of actually doing good, their life is in danger. And this is what they say, verse seventeen. It says, "All of this came upon us, though we though we had not forgotten you." We had not been false to your covenant. Our hearts had not turned back. Our feet had not strayed away from your path. But you crushed us and made us hunt, uh, uh, made us a hunt for jackals. You covered us over with deep darkness. If we had forgotten the name of our God or spread out our hands to a foreign God, would not God have discovered it since he knows the secrets of the heart? Yet, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Awake, Lord. Why do you sleep? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our misery and oppression? We are brought down to the dust. Our bodies cling to the ground. Rise up and help us. Rescue us because of your unfailing love. Right? And basically, what they're expressing here is like, hey, we did nothing wrong. Like, why are we being punished this way, right? And even, and again, like, do we do we even express sometimes, Ryan, like the injustice of what we're going through? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes that's the way life goes. You do nothing wrong, and for whatever reason, you suffer, right? Yeah. And inevitably, the thought crosses our mind of like, God, why are you doing this to me? Yeah. It definitely feels irreverent as you're talking about it and as I'm listening to it. And my thought had been that there's a a balance to it. Um, Because I do think that just because it's in Psalms, I don't believe that it has to be a great example, but I think it's a reflection of somebody's heart at a specific time. Um, as, as we can see many examples throughout the Bible, Judges to me is one of the classic examples sure. of a book that catalogs a bunch of people used by God, but not people worthy of imitation. And so here are people who are calling out to God and, as showing us here is the emotion, here is the condition of someone's heart and how they're calling out to God. And when I contrast that with the disciples' request to Jesus saying, teach us how to pray, Jesus' response starts out with praising God our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, 
Right. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he goes through this, and that is a very, that's his example of here is the, the attitude I want you to have when you pray. So I, I think we can be bold, but I think it's, it's also got to be tempered. Well, uh, what do you think? So here's, here's what I would say, because I think, um, and, and I get what you're saying, because I think I, uh, so the book of Psalms, or really in, in no other place, right, are we told that this is right or wrong, right? Like we're just, like you said, we're getting a glimpse into somebody's uh, heart and mind at a very intense moment, right? Right. But I, I think that, uh, and you're alluding to Jesus, in a moment of great despair in Jesus' life, we don't see something that's much different, Right? Like in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, basically what you see is Jesus in a very vulnerable state, right? In a very big way, trying to, and and again, even saying this out loud seems so irreverent in a sense, (laughs) uh, trying to, struggling with what he needs to do. Right. Right. And in a moment of great despair, like really coming to peace with like, man, like if there's a way for me to get out of this, but not my will, but yours. And even Mm -hmm. like in that sentence seems so conflicted. You know what I mean? Like, hey, if there's a way for me to get out of this, but like I surrender my will. And I think those two thoughts are hard to marry. And even uh, when Jesus is on the cross... I I think quoting one of the Psalms in which he says like, Hey, why have you forsaken me? I think he's quoting a, a, uh, a verse that captures what he's going through. Right. At the very least, I can trust that because it's coming from Jesus, that's not necessarily an immoral utterance that he is in fact expressing, uh, his pain, and at the same time, uh, his lament and request for help to God. And I think yeah. that's what you see a lot of times with some of these psalms, that there's very uh, vulnerable and honest expression of their feelings, right? That, dude, even like in, in, uh, in this chapter, in, verse, in chapter 44, when I read verse 23, I'm like, these guys are so disrespectful. Like, how dare they say, awake, Lord, why do you sleep? Rouse <laughs> yourself and do not reject us forever. I'm like, who are you? Like, God doesn't sleep. You know what I mean? And again, but see, I don't necessarily think that they're being disrespectful as much as like, this is the, this is the hole that they're in. And it feels like God has abandoned them. And it's not so much a, like, hey, God, why don't you do something as much as it is uh, a, a call for help. You know what I mean? And, and I think a lot of times the way they end these, uh, these sort of requests, the last verse uh, of this chapter says, rise up and help us, rescue us because of your unfailing love. 
And it's mm-hmm. sort of like they understand that somehow what they're going through doesn't marry with the truth that they know about who God is and what he does. And I think a lot of times these expressions of deep emotion is a struggle of those two things. Like, hey, I know who God is and I'm going through this and it doesn't, it doesn't marry. If we learn something from many of the uh, authors of Psalms, including a giant like David, right? Uh-huh. Is that we can express ourselves to God in a way that is honest, in a way that is vulnerable, right? And in a way that really reflects the struggle that I think many go, many of us go through in trying to reconcile some of our circumstances with who we understand God to be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that one thing that can easily happen to me when I think that there's a protocol for approaching God, that there's a certain decorum with which we approach God, that he can begin to feel very stale. He can begin to feel unapproachable. And I don't feel like I can approach him in every moment. And I think God, more than anything, wants us to feel his love. And he he wants us to approach him. That he doesn't want there to be this distance between us. And he wants us to be able to come to him. And if we feel that there is a certain way with which we approach him, I can easily imagine us stopping coming near him because we feel like, oh, I've got to be this certain way and he's going to expect me to be proper. And right now I don't feel proper. Right now I feel mad. And right now I'm upset because this thing happened. And God's saying, you still need to be respectful, but I'd rather have you come in and talk to me than to stay away and try and handle this on your own. Um, I think about just even the basic question that he asked Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden when he came back. He's he's like, where are you? That he noticed that they were gone, that they were not where he had left them. And they knew what they had done, and they had removed themselves from God. But God had not gone anywhere. He He was still there, and he was still wanting them to be close to him. Um. So I think that that can be a temptation that we can run into when we do believe that I have to approach God with these parameters and with right. these rules. I feel like the book of Psalms is such a good book to teach us how to live a godly life. Mm-hmm. Because we're all going to have great times and we're all going to have horrible times, right? And in both instances, the book of Psalms teaches us and is a great guide on how to approach God when those things are happening, right? And I think even the struggle of trying to put God at the center of our suffering is hard. Because like you said, it, it's, e- it's a lot easier to, um, to sort of abandon God, like f- not only feel like we, God has abandoned us, but 
us abandon God when something's not going right, right? Mm-hmm. It's easy to walk away and be like, well, God has forgotten about me, so I'm going to forget about him. But this struggle right. to sort of come near him and even struggle with, like, somehow I have to make peace with this, right? Like, God, where are you? Like, why are you asleep? Rise up and do what you do, right? I think that that struggle, that wrestling with God, it again, like, if anything, the book of Psalms is teaching us that, that that's what we ought to do. What you see is very honest expressions of what people are going through. And if anything... yeah. I think one of the things that the book of Psalms teaches us is to go more in that direction than in the other one where we just don't even approach God with those things. Right. And yeah. even in times of of great celebration, what you see in the authors of Psalms is thanksgiving, like an understanding of God's place, even in success, right? And when things yep. are going good... We don't necessarily think to thank God for what is happening. And um, let me move on to the last thing, because I think this is really where I wanted to spend a lot of the time that we talk about this. I think it's, it's a difficult book to sort of like walk away from going like, oh, this perfectly fits into the overall story of the Bible, because it's hard. It's hard <laughs> to marry it to a right. lot of the things. Like, it's just not a biblical narrative. You, you understand that you're not right. necessarily reading like the history of the patriarchs, per se. Right. Uh, but It's not pushing the story forward. Yeah. Right. But again, if you sort of look at these uh, very significant chapters in all these divisions of the Book of Psalms, what you see is that time and time again, they go back to some very important themes uh, that exist all throughout the Bible. Let me just read Psalm 1, because uh, I think this will illustrate the point very, very well, Ryan Novak. Psalm 1, verse 1, it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. And again, Uh what this psalm is about is basically like, hey, stick to the law. Not only is that a very human struggle, but that is a very central element of what a lot of the Bible as a whole talks about. The whole story of the Bible leads to Jesus, right? The whole narrative of the Bible is leading to the moment in which the Messiah comes to earth and is amongst the people, right? And chapter 2 of the book of Psalms talks about the Messiah, Right? And all throughout the Psalms, there's different messianic Psalms that talk about the coming of this great king and how he's going to store, he's going to establish a kingdom that will never pass away and all of this stuff. Like if you think of the life of of an Israelite, this is what they would have experienced, like kings being crowned, the nation being in bad places, times of good, times of blessing, times of thanksgiving, 
things are going great, things are not going great, but in the in the midst of all of this life, right, are these very mm-hmm. central things, the Messiah, the kingdom of God, his word, and God himself. Psalms is, is visiting our life and at times making these very monumental reminders of this is what this is the real story. The real story, what really matters the most is the law, like following what God tells us to follow, the Messiah, the kingdom, and God himself. Like, praise God. I know uh, for those of you who listen to our podcast, you'd be very surprised to know, or maybe not, that uh, <laughs> Ryan is a very accomplished and very good worship leader. Right? And even like worship is something that you personally feel feel very strongly about. You know what I mean? And Yeah, absolutely. And you know, one of the things that I appreciate you about about you, Ryan, is that you um when you lead worship, right, one of the things that you're always calling people to is to be mindful of what we're participating in. That we're not right. just merely singing songs, right? But that we are like worshiping God. Yeah. And yeah, the, it's very. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, it's very easy to sort of fall into this rote patient to not be mentally connected to what's happening, especially if whatever you're singing or doing has been done many times before. So, for example, um, every Sunday in our church, we take communion and we take an offering or a collection of money and we do that every Sunday. And so it's easy to mentally check out during those times. That does not mean because we do them every week that they're less important or that we have an excuse to mentally check out. In fact, the Bible reminds us to make sure that we are putting ourselves mentally in a right place when we take that communion. Right. But it is very easy to, to mentally check out the same with singing songs and allowing ourselves to kind of get swept up, um, or not swept up. And so you have to constantly be calling yourself back and reminding yourself, what am I doing and why are we doing this? Right. You know, um, I'm glad we're talking about this, Ryan, because I think it is, um, and I don't, I hope this doesn't sound like a, an elitist thing to say. I hope not. Say it anyway. Because that's not what I'm, that's not the point that I'm trying to make, right? But I do feel like um, worship requires a good deal of spiritual maturity, Right? Because, like you said, it's easy to get caught up in the exercise, but to to worship uh, in a sincere way, right? In a way in which you're really exercising uh, thought and heart in expressing things to God and and talking about His greatness and all these things, right? Mm-hmm. Requires a certain knowledge and a deep understanding of who God is. Right. And I feel like, um, praise 
is is something at least for me is something that has become uh a lot easier the more I understand the depth of God. Mm. Right? Because otherwise I'm just I'm just singing because it sounds good. And uh there's a very interesting thing that happens in the book of Psalm, uh in that all throughout the book of Psalm, uh, of the book of Psalms, there are uh, laments and there is praise. But something very interesting happens from the beginning of Psalms towards the end of it, in which uh, in sort of the first half of the book of Psalms, there are, uh, it seems like there's a lot more uh, lamentations then there are praises, right? Mm -hmm. And as the book of Psalm progresses and as it moves towards the end of the book, that shifts. And towards the second half of Psalms, the more it gets closer to the end, there are more Psalms of praise than there are Psalms of lament, right? And even, uh, let me just read you a few verses of Psalm 113, which is a psalm of praise, right? It says, uh, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, you his servants, praise the name of the Lord, let the name of the Lord be praised, both now and forevermore, from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is exalted over all the nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, the one who sits enthroned on high? who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth. He raises a poor from the dust and lives the needy from the, from the ash heap. He, seats, he sits them with princes and with the princes of his people. He settles the childless woman in her home as a happy mother of children. And again, this dude, like this, this psalm is so rich with praise, right? And if you compare it to even to some of the psalms towards the beginning of the book of Psalms, like the later uh, a psalm is in the book of Psalms, the more it's towards the hundred and sums, right? It even seems like the intensity with people, with which people express God's praise, it just seems so much richer. And, and so as the book of Psalms progresses, there certainly seems to be this movement of like, we're acknowledging more and more who God is. And again, where the, the sort of the conclusion of the book of Psalms are five chapters of nothing but what are called hallelujah Psalms in which like God is like being praised. And it's almost mm -hmm. like this understanding of, and even if, if you think about like the book of Revelation or like we're, we're moving towards a point in time, right? In which, the whole earth will praise God. Yeah. Right. And like where, where, where the praise of God will be like one of the most common exercises that we will have in our daily lives. Like that part of heaven is this constant praise of God. Right. And again, the book of Psalms, like as it, it, it nears its end, interestingly enough, it's showing us like this more intense praise of God as the kingdom sort of like, again, as it visits these themes and, and where the book of end, where the book of Psalms end is where the, 
with the arrival of the Messiah and like how he's established and now his kingdom is established. And then like there's all these hallelujah psalms. And again, it's very interesting that it ends that way in that supposedly as, as the, the book of Psalms ends, it ends talking about this Messiah. And now there's, there's nothing but these chapters of praising God. Yeah. Almost like the, uh, if there were a single psalmist that he's maturing right. throughout the, the process. Yes. And, and again, like I think That's it's cool super way. interesting that when they, decide, they decided to, put the, to finally put all of these poems and songs and prayers together, they sort of like decided to give them these themes and these movements all throughout that end in like the very intense praise of God. And, and I think, again, as we mature in our lives, in our spiritual lives, that ought to be the case for us. Like we, as we sort of like learn more about God, learn more about yeah. his greatness, learn more about his work and all of these things, like I think we learn to praise God more and more. Why do you think that is? Because I, I, I really feel like so. I agree with you, but I'm wondering what you, why you think. I think part of it is like, man, like, this funny thing, it's hard to explain, Ryan, because I feel like the more, <laughs> the more I learn about God, uh, the more real he feels. And at the same time, uh, the more uh, mysterious he becomes, not in the... Not in the sense of like that I don't understand them, but mm -hmm. that wrapping my mind around who he is becomes, in a sense, easier to understand, but more difficult to do. Can I ask you a personal question? Yes. We don't tend to get super personal in, in the podcast um, and without providing any details or anything you and your family are going through what you would describe as a difficult yes. period. Again, without getting into any details, do you feel like this has, that this time is different for you than it might've been had it happened five years ago or 10 years ago because of your spiritual, like, like how has your walk with God shaped or been shaped by what's happening. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I feel like as I was putting this whole thing together, like what I'm talking about right now has never felt more real than, uh, and even this struggle of like, <laughs> it's funny. Like I said, I've been reading the book of Psalms personally, just because uh, I felt like it. But at the same time I was preparing for, this podcast, and after we're done with this podcast, I'm gonna keep reading him. Uh, but do this this whole idea of I know who God is, I know how good He is, and at the same time marrying that with what we're going through, uh, that has never been more real in my life. And I think I don't think I've ever uh, felt more fervor. Uh, well, let me provide some detail just so that everybody knows what's happening, because otherwise this is hard to, to explain. 
So uh, <laughs> sorry. No, that's fine. Uh, this, <laughs> I was actually planning on talking about this as we were ending this, but this is fine. Um, so for those of you who don't know, uh, who are listening to this and don't know me personally, uh, I was a minister, like working for the church, and I was let go from the ministry. Uh, and I decided to sort of start this ether thing uh, because I really felt like, hey, like I want to keep preaching about God and talking about God and teaching about God, regardless of what my official job is. And uh, and part of it was like, man, like I, I would love to um, make a living making these videos and creating this podcast and all this stuff. And that's why we uh, every time we do one of these, we ask for people to uh, be our patrons and stuff. Not that I'm trying to guilt you into it. I'm just explaining. Um, and so basically for about a year, we had enough uh, money saved and enough uh, everything to be to to live our lives without worry, if you will, thinking that within a year, year and a half, I was going to be able to make uh, enough money out of doing this to support a family and my wife works and all that stuff. But that's not been the case. And again, I'm not saying this to guilt anybody or to do anything. I'm just we're, I'm just being honest and open. Uh, so now we're in a pretty uh, a difficult financial hole. I've been looking for a job, like a full-time job, that, and then I'm going to do this thing on the side type thing as opposed to doing it full-time. Uh, and it's just been hard, man. Like, it's been, it's been super difficult. I've applied... So just in the past two weeks, uh, I think I've applied to over 60 jobs. I've had some job interviews and nothing's really uh, come of it. Uh, and it's just been super difficult. It's been really, really hard. I think uh, the stress of finances and uh, the question of we're going to be able to pay all our bills and uh, asking help from family for as much as they love you, like is. Uh, somewhat embarrassing and very vulnerable and you don't want to do it and all this other stuff. Like, it's just been hard. And I feel like, again, I know that God is good. I know that God provides. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been in other situations that have been financially difficult and God has provided, always always has provided a way out. Uh, I feel through the course of this whole experience, like some way, somehow things have worked out and it's time that I praise God and I thank him and all that stuff. But as the longer this goes on, the more difficult, <laughs> the more difficult it is to uh, not feel things more intensely. So like, yeah. and basically what I'm saying is two weeks in, uh, holding on to the idea that God is good in some way he's going to provide a, a way out is a lot easier than like a year in, you know <laughs> You know what I mean? And that's sort of where we are. Right. Like we, we are now sort of a, a year in and we're wondering a lot of things and struggling with a lot of things and asking a lot of questions and, and struggling to make money here and there. And at the same time, all the while knowing that God is faithful and knowing that God is good and all of these things. And, you know, this idea again of like, I know who God is. I know that he works for the good of those who love him. I know that his plan is better than whatever plan I come up with. Uh, but even like, man, like, and again, this, this idea of it's a lot easier to sort of walk away, from, not that I'm walking away from God, that's not what I mean, but it's a lot easier to wake up in the morning and be like, why am I going to pray to God about this situation again when I just know it's not going to be solved today? Like, it, it's easy to do that. 
right? Mm-hmm. But even like, man, I've I've struggled, especially for the past couple of weeks, to like wake up every morning and really go and express to God really what I'm feeling and my fears and my concerns. And it almost is tiring to come back again and again every morning to sort of express the same thing to God and know it like and it's interesting because like in my heart of hearts, I have no doubt uh that God is working on something like yeah and and all the while uh my situation is very present to me, like you know what I mean, like I look at our bank account, <laughs> I know how much is in the bank, like all of these things are very real and it's and again, it's a struggle of like. I'm in this current situation. I know who God is. And to answer your original question, I feel like had I gone through this 10 years ago, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here. Cause I feel like my understanding of God is so much deeper now. Like that's what I that was saying. Like, I feel like it takes a certain degree of maturity to really praise God in a way that um, God wants to be praised because yeah. a lot of, a lot of what it takes to to uh, sincerely, I don't want to make, I don't know that sincere is the right word, but like, I, it's hard, um, it's hard to legitimately, I think, not not legitimately, it's hard to deeply express things about God if you don't know him well. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like even, uh, l- let me illustrate it this way. Um, for as long as I've been a Christian, uh, the best way for me to pray is to keep uh, a praying journal. So I every almost every single prayer that I've ever prayed is written down in a notebook somewhere, right? And mm. every once in a while, like every five years or whatever, I like to go back and look at my old, old prayer journals and one of the things that really strikes me is how uh, how much my early prayer journals were about uh, me, like in the sense of like uh, how I I really verbalized in many ways uh, what God was doing for me, what He had done for me in saving my soul, and not that those are any those are bad things because I think they're great things to express. And even to this day, uh, I express my gratefulness for God having saved my, saved my soul many times. But I think as time has progressed, my prayer has more and more become about God and about who he is and about what he does and his role in my life more than just uh, me. Yeah. And there are times that I purposely... Uh, have prayer times, like at least once a week, usually early in the week, I have a prayer time where I ask God for nothing. And I legitimately just try to, to praise, to praise God. And, uh, and I don't know that I've been able, I would have been able to do that 10 years ago. And I feel Mm. like part of the reason why I do that is because, um, I think understanding God is just become for me a mission in life. Like it's become like a a core aspect of of who I am as a disciple, of what I'm trying to do in life. Like understanding God is just like such a cornerstone of my life uh, of faith that I just 
want to spend a lot of time just expressing how great God is. And again, I yeah. think that requires a certain level of, of knowledge. It requires a certain understanding about who God is. And that takes time. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying to anybody out there that you're not sincere in your faith, that you don't know God well, because I'm sure you know God to a certain degree. But I do think, especially when you, as you're going through hard times, man, like as, as life grinds you down, as there are disappointments and there are things that you don't like and, and heartbreak and all that stuff, if you uh, don't have a clear idea of who God is, it's just hard. It's yeah. hard to come to him in prayer. It's hard to come and praise him. It's hard to come and thank him. It's it's even hard to approach him with a certain degree of uh, sincerity and humility. You know what I mean? Like it's it's hard. And I think again, if if we can learn anything from all of the things that we've been talking about, the Book of Psalms, is that in many ways, like the Book of Psalms, is again uh, a gr- it, it can legitimately be a great place for us to mature, a great mm. place uh, of uh, being able to, like, I, I don't think there's a there's a book that can relate more to the human experience than some can because of all the human things that it visits. Right. You know what I mean? And, and I think if, if anything, it's a great reference point with, Man, what do I do when things are going well? What do I do when they're going bad? And again, in the midst of all these things, there are great reminders in the book of Psalm that basically point to the law, the Torah, the Messiah, the kingdom of God, God himself. And and man, that is life, man. Like that is, that's the life that we live. Like if you're going to live a life of faith in the midst of all the things that happen to life, there are times that you have to go back through to these pillars of, man, like the Messiah came, I'm in his kingdom, God is awesome, I'm so grateful. You know what I mean? Like I have to uh, stick to the word of God, I have to follow it, I have to be dedicated to it. And and again, I think, uh, like I said at the beginning, I don't think there's another book in the Bible that is as relatable and as easy to connect with and in the end, like, I think such a um, uh, a book that can really teach us what to live a life where God is at the center of it, yeah. as the book of Psalms can. And again, I'm like, in every, in, any, in every way, all of the books in the Bible do a little bit of that. But I don't think that there's any book that does that in a more human way than the book of Psalm does. Mm. And hopefully through this conversation, I've illustrated that. And if not, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think, I think just through your vulnerability that it reminds us how much God has is working to graft us to him. Um, and wanting us to reach out to him, wanting us to talk to him, wanting us to lean on him and rest in him. Um, so I appreciate your, 
willingness to share. Didn't mean to put you on the spot there. No, I mean, I was actually planning, uh, like, I literally, I was praying, hey, God, if there's a time in which I could, because I wanted to, but I didn't know, like, I had put my notes together, and I'm like, if I bring this up, is it going to be self-serving? Like, is there going to be room for me to bring it up? Uh, but you opened the door, and I walked through it, and uh, and now, I uh, guess everybody knows, everybody that listens to this. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, good therapy for me though. I'm not going to lie. There you go. Yeah. So with all that being said, uh, my good people, thank you for listening to this here podcast. Hopefully it's helped you as much as it's helped me. And, uh, (laughs) hopefully we, uh, have made the point about the book of Psalms that we're hoping to make. And, uh, we want to thank you so much for listening. We do want to remind you that this is a, uh, crowd supported effort. And if you want to become one of our Patreons, uh, <laughs> if you want to do that, you can go to patreon.com forward slash EtherMMC. And uh, if you want to get in touch with us, if you have any reactions to this uh, uh, podcast episode, you can uh, comment on Facebook or on Instagram or, or on Twitter at EtherMMC. Or you can also leave a comment on our Patreon page. And uh, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you on the next one.